everyone, my name is Claudia, I'm a work psychologist and you are listening to End Happiness, a quest to answer a bold question, what makes us happy? In this show, I take a topic in alphabetical order and discuss with external guests how it relates to and impacts our happiness. In this episode, we are discussing N for nature and happiness. Imagine that every day you are writing down places and activities that make you happy. After a few months, you are looking back at your list. What kind of pattern do you notice? A project called Mappiness analyzed records from over 20,000 people who did keep a track of places and activities that kept them happy and made a clear conclusion. We consistently report higher levels of happiness when we are outdoors and in green natural environments. Places like the sea, coasts, mountains, woodlands and parks boost our happiness. This might be nothing surprising. You may know this intuitively what science research confirms, but perhaps the most intriguing question is why does nature have such a positive impact on our well-being? And even more importantly, how can we reconnect with nature, especially if we live in urban cities? So my guest for today is Dr. Lucy Loveday, GP, Swim England Outdoors Ambassador and founder of the movement The Mind. Lucy is on a mission to connect mind, body and planet and she's currently working on a project of introducing green prescriptions into a mainstream healthcare. So let's find out more about our connection with nature. And remember, for a regular dose of happiness based on psychological science, head to endhappiness.co.uk to sign up for a free email course and monthly pod letter. But with no more faff from my side, welcome to Nature and Happiness. Hi, Lucy. Welcome to Unhappiness. Hello. Welcome. Really good to be here, Claudia. It's so exciting because, as you know, Unhappiness is all about happiness and our relationship with it. And obviously, nature plays such a big role in that. So my first question to you is about those positive benefits. What are the positive benefits of engaging in nature for us when it comes to our well-being? Goodness. So that is a firstly a really good question to begin with, because in preparation for this conversation, I was thinking, well, what do we mean by happiness? And to kind of set the context of how I approach answering this in with nature. So from from my perspective, happiness would be very much about those positive emotions, particularly around joy and just feeling good. And we have a wealth of evidence building in the field of nature for well-being. And so if we think about what does well-being mean, well, it's about feeling good and therefore then functioning, living a full life where you're thriving not surviving we have some really kind of exciting studies that have demonstrated that being in nature makes people feel better so I kind of just keep bringing it back to that feeling and that emotion which is very much a subjective thing but I think there's huge value in having 
evidence that supports what we kind of innately know to be true. So I'm speaking again from my lens, but also professionally. When I go out in nature, I feel better. And now we have studies to support that, that nature supports our well-being. Yeah, that's great. And I think, as you're saying, it's so important that, yes, those are the things we kind of know. We know when we're going for that walk, when we're spending the time in the greenery, we relax, we calm down. But it's great to actually now see it, that science also confirms that. So, as you're saying, we experience those positive emotions in nature. What happens to our body specifically when we are in nature? So leaders in this space, like Professor Yoshifumi Miyazaki and Dr. Quinley and all of the people in Japan working with those teams on forest bathing. So what they've done is is they've managed to demonstrate, it's small studies, but they have managed to demonstrate that when in the presence of forests and forest bathing, so Shinrin-yoku, which is very much a Japanese tradition, at a cellular level, people experiencing a positive benefit in their immune system function, and that's thought to be modulated or mediated is probably a better word, by phytoncides. So phytoncides are, for people listening, volatile organic compounds released by plants, trees, that at some cellular level have a benefit to our immune system function. So that's really exciting. That's one effect that's happening at a physiological level. There is, I've already alluded to, that sense of subjective well-being that's enhanced. So stress hormones, cortisol have been demonstrated to be reduced when we're in the presence of nature. And there's also some very early work by Professor Richard Taylor about fractals. So I find this really exciting. I don't know if you know about fractals or what a fractal is. No, no, Lucy, I'm so like intrigued. I'm making notes. (laughs) A fractal is a concept that was defined by a Polish mathematician called Mendelbrot in the 1970s. A fractal is a pattern that repeats on a progressively finer scale to produce a object of enormous varying complexity. What is so wonderful is that fractal patterns are abundant in nature. So pine cones, seashells, peacock feathers, Romanesco broccoli, those sorts of things. And then what Professor Richard Taylor has managed to demonstrate is that looking at fractal patterns have a positive effect on our neurophysiology. So that's really exciting. So now we're kind of going from cellular immune system benefit to neurophysiological benefit. And it's early, early days in those studies, but I always credit Professor Richard Taylor because what he's demonstrating is that looking at a certain type of fractal pattern can help our stress levels by inducing a wakeful, relaxed state. There's a lot going on when we are in or looking at or surrounded by nature. And that's very much through the sense of looking and absorbing different things through the senses. The other thing that's quite wonderful for people who might be sight impaired is the sense of hearing. So the potential restorative effects of birdsong. And that was Dr. Eleanor Ratcliffe, who's looked at different types of birdsong and the benefit that birdsong can have on our stress levels in a positive way. 
we have this special connection with with nature, which it's called biophilia, but it's really so important to our well-being and happiness. Um, is there a specific amount of nature that we need? I know this we're going kind of very kind of now scientific maybe here. Is it like if I want to improve my well-being and okay, nature is good for me. Are there a specific amounts that we need when engaging in nature? Like how often? And I ask that as a person who lives in the city, in very busy, hectic London. And of course, there are urban gardens, there are urban spaces, there are parks. But let's be honest, I won't be hearing bird songs every morning. I won't be having access to that nature on a regular basis. So is there a certain amount that we need to sustain that happiness? There's something about dosing. Is there such a thing as a dose of nature? And I can share the reference after that I'm about to talk about. There was a study done and it was something like 120 minutes in nature has been shown to be beneficial. However, that again, this, these are kind of one-off studies and so it's never advisable to take anything as an absolute you have to kind of look at the whole picture so for someone like yourself or lots and lots of people that live in urban spaces I would say let's be pragmatic you probably are not going to be able to always spend 120 minutes over your working week and life in nature so anything is better than nothing that's just my very practical I was be as bold to say nature is very unlikely to do you any harm I mean unless of course you're in extreme weather conditions so just being really pragmatic that something I used to do in one of my roles was do like a walk around the block so if you're fortunate to be able to be mobile physically then just take five minutes away from your screen get into the blue and the green just take five minutes rest your eyes and put your devices away and just tune in to what's around you for five minutes I call it a meeting with the earth (laughs) I would advise treating a meeting with other people and that kind of back-to-back schedule that is all so familiar in our contemporary modern lives put something in a meeting with the earth and treat it with the same priority and urgency and just take five minutes tune in to what's around you that's how I bring it into my life it's it's in my diary that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to schedule in my back-to-back Microsoft meetings, a meeting with the Earth, and then I'm going to have colleagues coming to me and asking, who is this Earth you meeting? And I'll be explaining about those benefits. So that's a great practical application. Lucy, in your work, you are looking at green prescriptions. So... Oh my God, how exciting it is. The way I understand it, and of course you tell us more about that, is that let's say I'm going to my local GP and they are prescribing me nature for whatever conditions I'm dealing with. Is that what Green Prescription is about? Tell me more. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That is the aspiration and the vision. Project that I worked with, with the Woodland Trust, the National Trust and the National Lottery Heritage Fund has been designed and developed for young people of multiple disadvantage experiencing mental health problems and social isolation. But that was called Resilient Young Minds and is absolutely something I'm committed and dedicated to scaling, you know, in my lifetime. But yes, if you think of the pathway, the aspiration and the vision is that people who are likely to benefit from having some time in green or blue space, so in nature, attend the GP or the link worker through you know social prescribing movement that's absolutely established now. And then those individuals, through consultation with the person, manage to prescribe, i.e. sort of advocate or refer 
that individual into a programme. There's always been allotment clubs and gardening clubs and the community voluntary sector are amazing. But this is about putting it into mainstream healthcare at scale so that there's equitable access and opportunity for people. Yeah, because we know that it, it's not just the nature experience, but it's also the social setting and the interaction being with others and connecting with others through nature that can really, really benefit people experiencing all sorts of problems. Brilliant, because I think, as you're saying, it's also because the things we do in nature, we are getting sports in nature, so we're very physically active, which boosts our endorphins. We're meeting with, with friends and family. We have the picnics, we have the gardening clubs. So as you say, it's that entire experience so important. So the advice, look at this. Those are the specific nature opportunities around you that you can participate in. Wow, that will be like, ultimate heaven really i kind of talk about it at at an emotional level coming right back to your first question because happiness is an emotional experience and so having nature at the heart of a healthcare system you know the recognition that nature really can benefit our well-being would be just wonderful to realize at scale within mainstream healthcare and i always just wonder about if people know of the work of andy goldsworthy when we talk about nature i share with you one of his quotes because it's kind of one of my central philosophies of of why i think it's so important culturally to embed nature for well-being or happiness is andy goldsworthy says when we talk about losing connection with nature we're actually losing connection with ourselves and so a lot of the work i do recently completed work with in a health inequality setting co-designing a nature-based program with people women who experiencing multiple disadvantage what actually nature can give people is often a connection with themselves and I guess for people experiencing stress in the workplace or any setting or mental health challenges sometimes being around people can be too difficult it can be quite threatening whereas nature what I'm hearing repeatedly is non-judgmental you know people feel like safe to explore and express difficult emotions in a natural setting there's something a bit less intimidating than maybe being sat in a room with lots of people yeah I read a study once that actually sometimes talking about difficult issues it's so much easier when we're doing something with each other rather than staring at each other face with intensive eye contact and I read this in the context of talking with teenagers that actually teenagers tend to open up much more if they are driving with their parents or doing something with their parents when actually there is no direct eye contact, then they are more likely to speak about very difficult issues. So I think I can really see that connection when you are gardening, you are doing something in nature, you're walking on the beach, and then you're sharing maybe something that is more difficult. And as you said, the nature is really non-judgmental. Before the green prescription will come to the healthcare uh, and we'll be in the center of it. And I'm sure, Lucy, you'll be coming back to my podcast and we'll be talking how successful your work is and how that really is picking up. What kind of practical tips would you give listeners to engage more in nature? So you already mentioned meeting with the earth, which I think is a fabulous idea and I'm so stealing it. What else would you suggest? I think there's something about bringing nature to where you are because sometimes you can't always go to where nature might be so for me that would be 
make making sure you have a bird feeder that's not only going to benefit you by watching and listening to that incredible I call it symphony for the senses just looking and watching our fellow citizens visit nearby even if you live in an urban setting having either community garden bird feeder or something that you put on your window you can get you know ones that are endorsed by the RSPB so getting a bird feeder is good for you and it's good for our fellow citizens I call them our fellow citizens because they are part of the planet upon which the survival of our species depends. Another way of bringing nature to you and that kind of wonderful metaphor of if you're looking after something else, again, you're looking after yourself, would be to get a plant, something that works quite well on a windowsill. So kind of planting a seed of hope for the future, I think is really, really powerful for giving yourself hope. So have a few little sunflowers in the in the windowsill and then plant them out if you are fortunate to have an outdoor space. Tomatoes work really well on windowsills. So just something that you're looking after takes you out of your head and into your body and you're just nurturing. You're getting your hands into the soil and you're really looking after something else and therefore it's looking after you as well. I heard something you said earlier, which is giving me my other tip, is something about how you might not get out to actually hear the birds because the city noise is just too overwhelming. And I was in London recently and I really noticed that. So you can listen to birdsong in your home so there is a fantastic all sorts of projects but sensing nature there's the mindful mix with which David Attenborough put together with the BBC and there are beautiful mixes of, of nature sounds so bringing it to you Radio 4 does tweet of the day in the morning so there's lots out there to kind of bring into your home and just make it part of your life yes the sounds I think that's all so, so important you know what I use sleep casts and I fall asleep every day with an ocean sound just because I love I I love water and I love ocean. I don't live by it. So that's that's kind of my closer to nature in a very urban setting. Final question, I think quite personal maybe, but I'm really curious about the answer, Lucy. What makes you happy? I'm very fortunate. I do feel happy and joyful in many situations. But for me, it comes back to nature, actually. And the reason, I feel like I need to explain, the reason that nature makes me feel happy is that sense of awe. And so I am really energized by environments that challenge me to look at the world differently and challenge my understanding of the world around me. So I'll give you a particular example of when I felt incredibly happy and it was watching a starling murmuration. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever seen that listening, but I would encourage people to try to do that once in your life. And the shapes and the form of the birds moving together as the sun went down, so the oranges and the hues of blue, it was absolutely awe-inspiring. It was that sense of perspective, so that makes me feel happy. It was that sense of connection not only to the environment around me, but to other creatures, and therefore kind of gave me a sense of being part of something bigger. And there's something also about the application of mindfulness in nature. So we know that mindfulness is so, so beneficial for us. And for me, nature lends itself, this is really personal for me, to becoming alive to every possibility in the moment in the landscape. Nature is almost my vehicle to allowing myself to just observe and watch those thoughts and feelings float by whilst being curious about maybe a little butterfly flapping its wings. We can be talking hours and hours and hours about this topic. So thank you so much for coming to End Happiness. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for inviting me and just wonderful to have an opportunity to talk to you today. So thanks very much for listening.
Thank you, Lucy, for sharing uh, all those amazing insights. Let's take on board the idea of green prescriptions and actually prescribe ourselves some healthy dose of nature. So I dare you to, one, schedule a regular meeting with Earth, put it in your hectic diary. It's already in my calendar. Can you hit at least 120 minutes a week? Or maybe every two days or maybe a day. Two, I dare you to listen to nature in the background. Sound waves and bird songs are fabulous way to reconnect with nature, even if you are living in a noisy city. As I mentioned in this episode, I use Sleepcasts by Headspace to fall asleep with nature sounds in the background. And the third one and the final there is to invite nature to your home. So go ahead, grow some tomatoes, plant some cacti or install a bird feeder outside of your window. I actually counted and I have 31 plants inside my small apartment in central London to keep me happy. So hope you are feeling inspired about the nature. For any more information, visit nhappiness.uk. And thank you for listening. I see you at the next episode.